Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. How are you now? Brought to you by well, Barclay Pierce, I guess. It's the Theory of Thing Investment Podcast. I am James Whelan, Managing Director and Head of Wealth at Barclay Pierce Capital Asset Management. A reminder that all advice contained is general in nature. Please speak to an advisor about your needs. Mark Well, I am joined... Not by Heath Moss this week, but by an old friend of myself and the show, one of the originals uh, and the best, David Scutt from Stonex Group. He is the market analyst there. Uh, David, how are you now? Great to be back, James, and uh, yeah, I'm taking my place with my fellow Adelaidean uh, here in the other studio. Great we've, to be here. We've got to hit that quota, mate. We've got to have 50%, at least a 50% Adelaide quota. Um, as much as I disagree with it, it's, it's, it's in the contract. Now, we're coming in via... Uh, I've got Amit from our marketing team has managed to put together an amazing uh, little studio thing here. Studio One at Barclay Pierce in Sydney. Um, we've got video stuff going on. This is a, a new one for us of, of coming in in high definition. Uh, again, uh, now that's it. Now, first off, I mentioned the deal of the week last week was Wellnex, uh, that we were raising that raising money for them to buy pain away. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we got the deal done. It's uh, The money was raised, us in tandem, uh, joint lead managers with Ord Minette. Uh, we managed to get it done. So that stock is going to come back on the market with pain away on its books and will be massively profitable based on all of the analysis. And we're really happy about that. So it's good. To, it's the, Mate, I saw a lot of sausages get made this week and they say that you should do things people should never see as laws and sausages. And- I'm very happy for you, mate. I'm glad <laughs> that it all went down well and uh, obviously not an endorsement from, uh, from my end, but yeah, I'm glad that uh, glad it got done and now uh, was successful. Yeah, it does. It does set us up. Uh, quite well and set clients up as well uh, for 2024. But enough of that. Um, mate, Ryan's bar. Yes. <laughs> Can be a dangerous uh, I no, saw part, a Twitter of, part photo. of town. I saw a Twitter photo. A, I saw a Twitter photo of you with a, a, a beer glass with Ryan's bar on it. Mm-hmm. And then I joined you at Ryan's bar for, for, for a couple of shandies last night. Correct. What, what, is the t- what are we taking away from that with, with regards to the Australian economy? Oh, first off, football, football cards. Hang on. Here we go. We'll get to it. Pick a card. Give us a name. So this is me learning the football teams, football players, right? All right. Good. Who have I've, you got? Uh, I've gone and pulled out. Oh. Up to the camera. Absolute superstar. Kalen uh, Ponga. Kalen Ponga. Ah, oh, with the yeah. headgear. Absolute he'll be, blind he'll be, he'll, be, he'll, be, he'll be dueling it out uh, with Reese uh, Walsh for the Queensland fullback spot, no doubt, this year. I have drawn – I've got to draw someone from the Tigers here, and I've gone with Dane Laurie. Um, he's a fullback. Friend, his junior club was the Lower Clarence Magpie. So now well, there we a go. little bit more than I do. Um, uh, yeah, Seth Ryan's bar. That's – are we talking the last days of Rome here or what? Oh, it feels like a lot of people have uh, done with 2023. Obviously, it's been a pretty <laughs> tough year when it comes to discretionary income for anyone who's got uh, debt facilities uh, in this country. Uh, and I do get the sense that maybe the corporate cards have been put down and people are using that to leverage into a bit of uh, fun. But uh, look, you've always got to seasonally adjust at this season of, uh, of the year. <laughs> it's pretty it's, 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 it's always pretty uh, pretty mental down there. It's a bit of a zoo on occasions and uh, I wouldn't expect to see any different, uh, particularly on a Friday afternoon today. Well, yeah, I know. We'll, 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 we'll get straight to the thing that we mentioned here. So it was, I was talking to Martin Wetton um, on the chatter before 
and it was – I've completely lost the, the thing that I was actually going to talk about now. It was in Chris Kent's speech the other day with regards to oh, – it hasn't shown up on my uh, on my document, but just with regards to the increasing amount of savings or cash flow that was uh, – Oh, it was, it was the hit to cash flow, yeah. uh, disposable income. Yeah. Uh, and predominantly from what we're talk- talking about when it comes to interest payments and uh, and tax take as well, income tax take. Uh, obviously, a lot of people made a, a lot of focus in the national accounts that we saw as a share of, uh, of disposable income. Uh, tax was uh, was right up their new record levels. Uh, obviously, states read tax cuts still legislated at this point to come in yep. at the uh, start of the new uh, financial year. It's not going to really go and take it back too far, though, certainly not towards the levels that we saw only you know, a decade or so ago. Yeah, well, I, I am looking at this uh, this tweet here from Justin Fabo, 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 um, talking about Aussie households. We'll see if we can get this pasted into the uh, – we'll see what – anyway, the image is there. Um, Australian households, how much tax – Australian households are actually paying here. Mm. There is a, I've got to describe this for people who are listening because we go on to the regular podcast channels as well. Net interest payments are up also, but back to 2019 levels as a share of income. Um, but the, the income tax payments, the, there's a black line that has just gone like that, mm. which is disturbing how much tax we are we are paying as a, as a country. And there no, seems to be no sign of slowing down based on the scenes, absolute scenes last night or yesterday evening because we all went home very early, so it's okay. Oh, 100% we went home yep. early. Uh, yeah, this, the way where it's going at the moment, uh, I know obviously the labour market remains strong. That's a big factor behind it as well. As yep. long as that continues, I know the trajectory uh, will probably go and continue. Obviously, we'll have that pullback for the stage three, presuming that it does go ahead. Uh, but uh, certainly as a, as an overall uh, mix um, from a historical perspective, it will still be pretty elevated regardless, even with those uh, those tax changes coming through. Yeah. Uh, do you want to go and talk about Japan now? It's, it's going to be a quick switch sort of – Yeah. Sh- what, do you want to about, what do we want to know about Japan? Do you reckon that they're going to – yield curve control. I was – again, I was having a chat with Marty Wetton about this. But mm-hmm. any, anytime, anytime I get a chance to chew his ear, I will chew the hell out of that thing um, because he's such an intelligent guy and mm-hmm. I want to chew your ear on this one too. Bank of Japan and yield curve control. Yeah, yield curve control is not so much the uh, the issue now. I think it's more the front end of the curve and, yep. and what they're going to do when it comes to uh, that key overnight policy rate, which is 0.1% negative. Uh, there's obviously a lot of speculation that they might go and try and uh, change that and maybe even preemptively before they can see that uh, inflationary pressures are spurring wage pressures, which is what they've been banging on for a while. Yep. Uh, I just saw the revised uh, GDP figures came out for the September quarter. Absolute shocker. I think you know, annualized rate down 2.9%, down 2.9%. Sorry, annualized uh, rate GDP. It's going backwards. Uh, and you know, a lot of In it- In Japan. Yeah. And, it, and predominantly, it's coming from the domestic economy, You know, the thing that they're trying to go and spur on to go and generate wage pressures. Yep. Uh, look, I don't think they should do it. I think if they are smart, they'd rather go and try and- Keep the yen, uh, no, relatively cheap versus a basket of other currencies to help their exposed uh, trade exposed sectors. Yep. If they go down that path, it's going to be a policy error. Big call. Um, yeah. Okay. Let's see. So, yeah, you have written here in a tweet for a bank seeking to foster a virtuous cycle of stronger growth, leading to. Are you okay if I quote you? It's very awkward. (laughs) For a a bank seeking to foster a virtuous cycle of stronger growth leading to higher inflation and sustained wage pressures, preemptively hiking rates before others cut would be probably the dumbest idea the Bank of Japan could come up with for export-reliant Japan. That is true. Yeah, and uh, just going to go and strengthen the yen. Uh, We're starting importing disinflationary pressures, deflationary pressures. I'm not sure how that goes and and corresponds with a virtuous cycle where you want to build inflationary pressures. I'm sure they'll manage to. But, you know, strange things happen in the financial world. Yes, that is. It sure does. It's been a, it's been a crazy time. Straight to, now, you mentioned GDP, which reminds me that we had our own GDP numbers drop mm-hmm. earlier this week. 
we were uppish, which is great as a country. But I saw a chart that was showing that as a country, it was it was beautifully summarised. As a country, we're fine, and you know the old thing: we go from boom to okay. We don't go boom to bust. Mm. But personally speaking, per capita, we're in a recession. And yeah. that, that I think, I mean, you know, Ryan's bar on a Thursday night aside, that I think is the same thing that's being felt by Australians everywhere. Yeah, and uh, real net uh, disposable income, uh, a feature where you're going basically uh, standard of living has been going backwards for a while as well now. Uh, so, yeah, on paper, it looks fantastic. You know, Australia's continuing to grow, outperforming other nations, yada, yada, yada. But uh, on the ground, the individual, I think, is probably not enjoying such rosy numbers. And uh, look, when you look at the details, a lot of it's coming through from government uh, expenditure. A lot of it's coming through from quasi-government-backed uh, uh, infrastructure investment. You strip that out of the equation, the private sector actually looks pretty weak. Good enough. Uh, now, let's talk about generally go to the US. November was, I, I love this stat, and we'll see, we're, we're going to put this in, the 60-40 portfolio. So no, November was in a crazy crazy good month mm -hmm. as, as everyone knows it was good um i don't want to be the chris joy i called it i told you so uh <laughs> invest today but i'm gonna um i did have a note that was out early just going november is a very investable month and this is more investable than i would think it would usually be mm. from everyone and if you go back and you think at that time when yields were touching sort of going around that five percent area at yeah. the top of the month everyone was thinking okay they're going to potentially go up the narrative had changed and i remember you i did quote you many times about that around that time mm. with the the faster they go up actually means that the quicker they're going to come back down. Correct. Proved perfect. Well done. Thank you very much. Money was made by all the 60-40 portfolio had its ninth best month. If you're on the trading floor, you do it like that. Ninth best month since 1976 with a 7.3% increase. And I'm a 60-40 guy, as you know, mm. on the record with that one. So uh, absolutely belted it uh, last month. Do you reckon that potentially it's going to hold? Uh, a lot of... Soft landing, good news is being priced into that story. Yep. Uh, the way that I look at central bank pricing right now is that the markets are rejoicing. The fact they've got no adding to rate cut bets coming around the world, you know, predominantly being led by now, the ECB. Uh, but without actually sort of contemplating the reason why these rate cuts are being added so aggressively. Yeah. Uh, real economic activity. Uh, look in Germany, for instance, the, the disconnect there, the DAX is, uh, is riding all-time highs. At the same time, you're looking at uh, German factory orders, industrial orders just in the absolute pits. Uh, and that's before a lot of this tightening that's already taken place in the ECB kicks in. Uh, from an earnings perspective, it, uh, it looks like the risks are sliding to the downside. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you mentioned the ECB. Does Christine Lagarde talk too much? I don't mean anything, but that I, I, I listened to um, what Paul Donovan, who does the the morning podcast for very cynical for UBS. It's and he is the gruffest, most. It, it's it's he, he seems friendly, mm. but he comes across as a this is a bad idea. This person is an idiot. This data is a nonsense, and it's just that cynical sort of thought. You almost fell into it yourself a little bit, actually, sometimes a while ago. Yeah. Just, uh, you get a, get a bit more up-talk, you know? Yeah. Look, I'm not, I don't know if she, she talks any more than any other central banker. Some of them love the sound of their own voice, obviously. Yeah. One thing that sticks out with me, though, is going back to the other GFC era and uh, you know, rolling into the Euro-area uh, debt crisis, and she was the French finance minister uh, back at the time. I remember when they were talking about peripheral spreads starting to go and blow out and everything else. 
sales. Yeah. She made this really arrogant comment on the lines that no, that France is not the periphery and stuff like that. And I remember that. Just, just, just at the time, it, it came across as an extremely arrogant uh, remark and, and probably not well thought out. And it didn't take the markets long to go and start testing that uh, that theory of hers. So that that's something that's, uh, that that's <laughs> resided with me for a long period of time. Don't and, poke the bear. Yeah. Look, uh, <laughs> I, I don't I don't follow the ECB probably as close as uh, as other central banks around the world. That's uh, but the one thing it really comes across is I described it in an opinion piece I wrote last week, just trying to go and herd cats. It's such a diverse, uh, complex economy, you know, trying to go and deal with like, different languages, different nations. Uh, and to go and get the policy mix right and get everyone to be kind of on board is very difficult and leads to policy errors. Um, well, the, the view is that the more – she speaks every couple of days, so the, the, the view is that there's less impact on her going and speaking about it. It, it stops mm-hmm. being a market event. Like you put it in your calendar, it's just like, well, Christine Lagarde is going to go and talk about stuff again. She's going to say the same damn thing. Yeah, Isabel Schnabel's probably the uh, the more influential uh, one now. She was a, a very uber hawk, and then it's all of a sudden done an about face and become very dovish. And probably her and her alone have probably put in seventy hundred basis points of, uh, of the cuts. So yeah, what well I'm Schnabel. No, the way you said it was just too good there. Um, what's your cut expectations, generally speaking, for next year? For- Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The US. Uh, I think that the market's are overs at this point in time. With the pricing cuts? Yeah, like there's no doubt that there's a lot of people who are doing it tough who are forced to go and borrow at the front end of the curve. But I think a lot of middle America, a lot of homeowners are locked in at ultra low rates and mm-hmm. they've got a labor market which is still fairly strong. Uh, I don't think the Fed's going to go and, and tight anymore. Financial conditions have already eased a lot. Uh, does the Fed need to go and, and ease in that scenario, given inflation, whilst it's uh, it's trending in the right direction, economic activity is turning in the right direction? Do they want it to go and get too much uh, out of control and see that in a potential risk we see a, a second wave of inflation? Yeah. I don't think they will. So I think that, no, there's probably going to be some cuts coming through, whether it's going to be five or six as the markets are uh, currently looking at. Six cuts, six cuts price for 2024. Yeah, and it's been rapid. Though. It, that's, that's, that's more than doubled in the space of about six weeks. That's overs, I reckon. So, I, I'm with you on that. That's yeah. overs. I think, like, honestly, I think the ECB is going to be have to cut pretty hard, yeah. pretty aggressively. I understand that. That's because I believe it's going to be you know, something along the lines of potentially a hard economic landing. Uh, but other, other jurisdictions around the world, a lot of it comes down to China as well. Uh, at this stage, it doesn't look like they're going to be that, uh, that that buttress that will go and support economic growth more broadly. Uh, so, look, easing, but yeah, 
Don't go chasing waterfalls. Don't go chasing. Don't, and a big hello to Jason Waterfalls if he's out there too. We're going to take a little break. What football uh, card have you got there for us? We can have I've still got a panel. Oh, yeah, here we go. Let's go. Oh, this one's there. Sticking with the Newcastle there. Oh, <laughs> the, the great man, Bradman Best. Bradman Best. Yeah. He's a good player. Um, What's his uh, what's his stats? What's, what's his stats? Yeah, uh, he's pretty mean. Uh, he's uh, 182 centimeters, 103 kegs. Yeah, uh, made his debut back in 2019. Winger and uh, he's a uh, he's a center. center. And, uh, he's a, he was a junior for the Woi Woi Roosters. Uh, the Woi Woi Roosters, big fans of theirs. I think we actually do sponsor the Woi Woi Roosters as well. Um, uh, again, this show brought to you by Barclay Pierce. Uh, whatever it is that we do, we do it well. The what were we, what were we talking about? Something else? What was next? I had something else to talk to you about. We've we've talked about cuts. We've talked about the ECB. We've talked about Japan. Local, mm-hmm. local RBA. We've seen the last one day meeting of the RBA for mm-hmm. the year, as predicted, as everyone predicted, it was a hold. Two day meetings of the RBA starting in February next year. Yep. And oh, what was it that they that they're going to have longer to look at the data? Yeah, it's just Gareth. Gareth was talking about this. Yeah. That it's, they're going to have ten days to see the data that comes in. Mm-hmm. Which means that they won't actually be able to see the CPI numbers that are beforehand. Yeah, that's yeah. correct. And there's still going to be some occasions where big data events come out and uh, they'll miss those, which is one of those anomalies. And you go and scratch your head and think, I did this big review, come up with all these recommendations. And sometimes, like the key piece of the uh, puzzle, the information that you need, you go and have a decision afterwards. What's uh, your thoughts? What's your thoughts for the Australia um, RBA? The, uh, the Australian RBA? Yeah, look, I, it sounds counterintuitive. If it's likely to be, when you talk about, you know, the central bank's more likely to go and cut earlier than others, I think the RBA is right up there in terms of those that might actually go and ease because of the way that our mortgage market's structured. Yep. But it hasn't, we haven't seen that snap yet. That's the thing, like, you know, aggregate terms, like, you no, know, the economy's still ticking along okay at the, uh, the individual level. Obviously, there's a few more strains, but the labor market's really strong. Yep. Uh, and yes, it's coming off the ball a little bit. Again, you no, know, monetary policy's set to go and try and balance aggregate demand against supply, aggregate being the, the emphasis there. Uh, and in aggregate terms, when you're running population at 2.5% per annum, uh, the growth, uh, there's a natural bid there automatically. Yeah, that's not too bad. Uh, all right, now we're going to go to what else are you seeing in the market? There was one other big thing that I'm seeing because I've got Bloomberg sits on the TV screen behind me. Mm. Every time – I hate it. It can't be in front of me because I'll just sit there and just watch it all the time and not mm. actually get any work done. Every time I turn around, I see the story talking about the Indian market. Now, I don't know if this is your this isn't your forte. This is my side of it because I'm an Indian bull, as you know. Um, it's had a good run. It's had a great run. It's about to overtake Hong Kong for the fifth or fourth biggest market in the world. Mm-hmm. Called it. <laughs> yeah. the poor old, poor okay. old Chinese markets. My goodness. Uh, they look sick. Yeah. Completely sick and transfer a risk, you know, not only now to the property developers, but you know, some of the things that are being floated uh, talk about you know, unsecured lending you know, being provided by the banks, the state backed banks, the quasi banks uh, to uh, select property developers, you know, putting that risk on their balance sheet as well. Uh, weak banks don't really allow for a lot of lending to other parts of the economy. So uh, it just, it, they say the stock market's not the uh, not the economy, but when I look at Chinese markets right now, it does give off that kind of that vibe. Yeah, it it, it does. And the Indian, the uh, this is one of those times that the Indian market and the economy are attached to to each other. Mm. And this is sort of my bull case for India is that with the growing middle, the the, the reason why I'm bullish on India is the growing middle income people, and that that bracket is expanding exponentially. Um, they have an investment 
sort of an investment process, uh, what is it, a systematic investment plan in, in place. People put systematic investment plans in place, very similar to our superannuation industry and the superannuation funds okay. that we have here, except that's forced by the government. This is one that people actually just elect to go into. Small amounts every month are just going to the market. And because India is a closed market, it has to stay in the Indian market. All right. Effectively, as that economy grows, money has to pour into managed funds. Those managed funds have to buy the stocks because they've got to keep their ratios up. It's just it's like a big forced system to go up, mm. similar to our market here as well. What are valuations like? You know, do, you, do you go and apply like kind of you know, traditional Western valuations no. on the market? No, not in this case. Not in this case. And, and I've seen it done. I saw someone sent me a thing saying, James, look at the PE ratio of the Indian market. It's overcooked. It's overbought. I was just like throw the PE, PE ratio out the window. It doesn't mm. matter. It, things have to be bought. As long as India is growing, it, it, it is just a natural emergence that the stocks will just have to be bought in the Indian market. It can't go overseas. It's hard to go overseas. It's, it's just a forced case. I've, I've never seen anything more uh, simple in my entire life, and it's being proven proven the case. Someone is launching a four times to speak now. We bookend, bookend the fall of the fall of Rome conversation here. With someone is launching. This is from uh, Eric Balchunas, who's Bloomberg uh, ETF master. Mm-hmm. Someone is launching a four times S and P five hundred ETN exchange traded note with the ticker XXXX four X. I'm thirsty. Uh, which should be which would be leveraged uh, a, a leveraged amount record in the US. We are so back. Are we two back? Does reek a bit of uh, ring the bell. Four times leveraged ETN, mate. Yeah. Uh, Get after it. Yeah. Like uh, <laughs> some of the, like, the bear ETFs and things that we see, uh, the bully test, that, uh, that takes us to the next level. Yeah. Uh, if you consider going trading or investing in one of those particular investment vehicles, make sure you know the, uh, the way that the other uh, works. And you know, whilst it magnifies potential gains, it can also magnify potential losses. Good chat. You're an ass cover. Speaking of potential losses, and Bar Chart, bar chart has been putting out some they're generally bearish on everything that they see. Um, it's the you know on, on the Twitter account bar chart, mm. but their charts are amazing. Yep. And I, I do love them. So you look at the chart and you're just like, wow, that's okay. Chapter eleven bankruptcy filings have jumped to the highest level in thirteen years. That's that's a, an amazing chart. Just looking at exactly how many companies have actually filed for Chapter eleven over in the US. Mm. So at the same time, I like the way that I've sort of bookended this last days of Rome yep. mandate, the the thesis that we're going with here. Chapter 11 filings are at the highest level in 13 years. Mm-hmm. Four times leveraged S&P 500 exchange-traded notes getting launched. Bradman Best is still playing for the Newcastle Knights. Yeah. Just keep buying stuff. I don't know. Like, it's, 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 it's crazy bullish. Look at Google last night, a 6% jump um, on the back of the AI side of things. I'm still seeing those top seven stocks. Yeah, I saw a lot of that narrative stuff as well. I've been a, more of an FX-orientated um, analyst and a trader from back in my day. Uh I did notice the US dollar weakness, though, and that was coming through partly because what was going on with the yen. That's probably an underappreciated uh, factor as well that goes and helps to juice a lot of those uh, those big tech earnings. They earn predominantly in US dollars, yep. and of course they've got big operations abroad. I uh, go and translate that back helps the bottom line. So I'm not not surprised. That, no, I know the AI narrative was certainly strong again last night. And look, to be honest, we've got payrolls out tonight. I think every man, woman, child, dog, uh, everyone in between uh, thinks that we're going to see a pretty soft uh, report. That's what all the other data is saying. Yep. And I reckon there's probably a degree of front running and uh, getting to go and, hey, the the narrative of the uh, disinflationary pulse going through is still there. Yep. Bye. So let's go and see what happens if that plays out. Yeah, there's there's no reason not to. I think that uh, we're just going to wrap it up in a second. We're going to do the NFL tips in a sec. But the Ryan Dietrich, uh, who's a great Twitter account to follow as well, talking about that 
Traditionally, if you have a month like November, that 80% of the time the market is up 12 months later, and I think on average it's up about 13%. Mm. I love those stats, those those sorts of things. Generally, everything that comes out is just like there's a reason to stay in the market. There's always a reason to stay in the market. That'd be silly. NFL. Did you bring a tip for us? No, uh, no idea, mate. Okay. I, don't, I don't follow it closely enough. Have I, you got I'll, anything to give? Do, do you have any value to add with the with the, with the non market side of this the oh, podcast? Oh, yeah, not really. Um, <laughs> just looking forward to this uh, the summer of sport. Uh, got membership for the SCG and Adelaide over now, so I'll be able to go. Hopefully, uh, the Windies can go and roll up and uh, last more than two days for a test match. Uh, that'll be helpful. I just need to stretch it out. They should yeah. just play it twice if it goes for two days. Yeah, so I'll go around again. Looking forward to being back uh, in early January for the other uh, test match as well. Yep. But, mate, apart from that, so, yeah, I'm just looking forward to you know, having a short break over Christmas and New Year, spending some time with the family, and then uh, yeah. cracking on in 2024. I've got a, I've got a big 2024 set for myself as well. Mm. Um, so my January, I'm going to take some time. I'm going to be working from, you know, I always work from the from the farm down at Gippsland, mm. down at Lake Sandra, so I work from that. I'll be doing shuttling back and forth to Melbourne um, to be able to do, you know, actual on-site visits and, and do my job that I have to do as well. But I'm looking forward to Las Vegas. For the, <laughs> for the NRL doubleheader that's happening over there, and booking some tickets, booking some tickets today. I think actually, yeah, just just, be- just remember, mate, with the US dollar, it is against the Aussie. Like, no, bail never- costs are going to be a lot more expensive, so behave over there. But it's cheap. No, no, it's like there's never been a better time to book a trip to Vegas. So, if hello to my wife if she's listening. Um, Dank Trader four thousand has given us um, amazing NFL tips in the past. He got three out of three, I think, last week. If you want to make some money. Just skip to this part of the podcast. Uh, bet with your head, not over it. Uh, two options this week. All right. Here's his smoky. He wants to go a little bit more edgy. He's gone Seattle, the Seahawks of Seattle, over the San Francisco 49ers with a 10.5 start. Uh, and the lock of the week is Denver outright win uh, against the Chargers, paying, wow, $2.23. So here we go. This is the lock of the week outright Denver over at the Chargers. Um, he's seeing that the Chargers are cooked, have no offensive weapons left, and only managed six points against New England last week. Uh, you, me, and a few friends would probably go quite well against the New England Patriots right now, David. Oh, fantastic. I've always wanted to go play in like a wide receiver role. That's right. Definitely have the speed. Uh, I'm going to put you at centre. So the season <laughs> – um, and with Seattle, so yeah, the season's on the line here. Look, we're done, mate. Congratulations on sitting here and doing this podcast with me. It's been fantastic. Yeah, don't, top don't, floor. Don't know um, why I said that. Yeah. <laughs> moving, moving on up, we can't do it from uh, from Barclay Pierce Capital. No, yeah, mate, it's you're already there. Um, yeah, I don't know where I go from here. I don't. I stay here and I build this thing into something amazing, yeah. and it's uh, and it is happening too. Thanks for joining, and, and thanks for being there. Thank you to everyone joining us for the podcast today. Have yourself a good weekend, or have yourself a good week ahead, based on whenever you're listening to this. I know we get a lot of Sunday listeners too. Thanks very much, everyone. This has been the Theory of Thing Investment Podcast. Mark well. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 